0: Welcome to the CF Podcast, this is Derek, I'm pumped you're joining us today. We are in a series where we're looking at identity. I think it's actually one of the most important things that we believe is who we are. I know it's impacted my life greatly, and so today we're going to look at the true you. What does it look like to walk in the truth of who God made you to be? So I would love for you to grab your Bible as we jump into the story of Gideon, grab some notes. Let's dig in as we ask God who we really are. And Isn't that that incredible truth? Man, we're singing some wildly life-changing truth. I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave. Wow. No longer a slave to fear. No longer a slave to the concerns about death. We've been given a new spirit right a spirit that cries out abba father a spirit that knows him deeply and it's that deep knowing that we get to know love and what does love do to fear Boom! get out of here right cast out fear and so this whole song is is rooted in knowing the one who is love himself and as we know the one who is love himself we get to know who we are and as we believe that, let me tell you, there is freedom. And I want to pray that over you today. We're going to be continuing our series around identity. And um, today we're going to look at the true you, what God says about us. And so I, I, I believe the scriptures when it says that the truth sets us free. And I don't know about you, but um, I haven't arrived. Anybody arrived? No, right? And so what I believe um, is is today The spirit of God wants to give a revelation to you that'll make you experience that, will allow you, maybe better wording, allow you to experience freedom today more than you've ever experienced in the past. I believe that's God's heart. So whether it happens or not, it's not on me, but I know that's God's desire that he would take you into truth that sets you free to to a deeper level than maybe you've experienced in the past ever before. And so if that resonates with you, like it resonates with me today, I just want to pray over our community and those that are watching online. Obviously, we're praying for you and, and praying that this truth and, and the scriptures, what God speaks, sets us free. So, so God, we thank you for a community. Or we thank you that we can sing songs of, of truth that, that are all rooted in the scriptures, the truth of the word of God and, and point us to The one who saves, the one who set us free, the one who longs even today for us to walk in a greater depth of freedom. And we at this church, we don't believe a pastor has to be the one to pray. So why don't I just give you a moment just for you to lift up your prayer to the Lord say, Lord... Man, I want to be free in this area. I want to experience a a new depth of freedom where I can walk in boldness and who you created me to be. Just take a moment. Let's just lift up prayers knowing as in Revelation it says that those prayers lift up to the throne room of heaven. They don't just hit a ceiling. They actually ascend to his very presence in the throne room. thank you for each individual that's here, and I thank you that in your beautiful, mysterious wisdom, you take individuals that are each unique, and you pull them together to be your body, one body, many members, and I thank you, Lord, for each one of us that you're intimately involved with our story, our life, our ups and our downs, our victories, and our perceived defeats, And today, Lord, our confession is that you know us better than we know ourselves. And so many times we try to define ourselves, and we look to our jobs, we look to others, affirmations. And and today, Lord, we just say those things are good, but they oftentimes fall short. I would say that at some point they always fall short. And so today, Lord, we want to hear your voice, your truth over all the noise of the world over all of our internal dialogue. We just say, we lift your voice above every other voice. And we say, let uh, your people hear your voice and not just be hearers, but believe it and put it into action. And so Lord, I just proclaim freedom over our church today. Truth over our people today. That we would each hear your voice and how you uniquely speak to each one of us. So as we open up the scriptures, Holy Spirit, we said, you're welcome. We just say, you're welcome to continue to lead. You're the best teacher that's ever been. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, would you lead us today? Would you teach us? Would you reveal truth to us and allow it not to just be in our head, but may it go down deep into our souls. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. amen. Man, I am pumped today. Go ahead and find a seat. I'm excited to dig into the scriptures. Man, as you're sitting down, go ahead and grab your Bible. Grab maybe a phone app, a Bible app. Don't just grab any phone app. That would be bad. Grab a Bible phone app. <laughs> uh, and I would love for you to go ahead and, and, and jump to the book of Judges. Judges. I almost feel like I need music. Dun, dun, dun. Judges. Dun, dun, dun. It's towards the front of your Bible if you're not super familiar with the Bible. Um, uh, if you get the Psalms, go left. If you're in Genesis, go right. Keep going until you find it, Judges. Uh, I just want to welcome some visitors here. I know we got some guests here. Uh, welcome. Uh, we are uh, honored to have you with us today. Our prayer is really simple, two things. We pray that you experience the love of God, first and foremost. And our second prayer is that you would experience his presence, that he's not a distant God, but he's a God that's very much among us today. That We're not just singing to a God we hope hears our prayers or hears our songs, but a God who doesn't just hear our songs, but he actually sings over us. Isn't that amazing to think about? And so that's our simple prayer. We try to be a simple church. We love the presence of God. We're trying to learn as a community to, to hear God's voice, to recognize his movement, and then just as Jesus modeled for us to say, we say yes. We lay down our will and we say, God, we want to partner with you. We want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we welcome welcome you. We're honored that you're here with us today. Uh, Let me just touch base on one of the the announcements that Tony made. Um, I am so, so excited. If you ask me what are maybe the top three or four things that I'm excited about in our church this year, 2024. One of them is this Marketplace collab lab that's happening on March 8th and 9th. You know, many of you know my background. I've, I, I'm not a, I uh, haven't been a vocational pastor for my whole life. I'm uh, a mechanical engineer, and then I got into healthcare, kind of the business world, and then spent some time in business. Uh, I still love the Marketplace. Um, I, I think, um, God actually cares a lot about the marketplace. Anybody else think that God cares about the marketplace? I do believe that. And I think for way too many years, followers of Jesus have, have separated somehow that they have their faith life and then I gotta go do my 40-hour life. And I don't think that's what Jesus ever had in mind. I don't think that's what the kingdom of God looks like. So over these, this Friday evening that we're gonna gather and all day Saturday our prayer is that you would begin to recognize that God is already doing things wherever you spend a lot of your time at work. Whether you work for a big corporation in town, whether you're a small business owner, whether you're thinking about having a small business, whether you have a little side hustle you're trying to figure out, you know, can you make it work? Anywhere in the marketplace, if you have a passion to see transformation, then I would say, man, make it a point to be here. Two two speakers that I'll highlight that uh, I'm really excited about. One has become a a good friend of mine, Mitch Matthews. I was on a call with him Friday. Um, He is so excited to be here. And he's going to lean into the importance of God's voice in your workplace. That God actually wants to speak to you, not just about a scripture verse, although he does love that. But he actually wants to speak into where you spend 40-plus hours a week. And he's going to unpack that on Friday night. I'm so excited. And then one of the breakouts, there's going to be like five or six breakouts. They're all on the registration. But one of the breakouts is is Tiffany Fikes. And Tiffany is an amazing business lady. She's had great success. Uh, What she's going to share in her breakout is relevant to men and women. But women specifically, I, I want to encourage you that you are needed in the marketplace. Can somebody say amen to that? Oh, wow, wow. Maybe do we believe that? How many of you think women are needed and desired by God to speak truth into the marketplace? Anybody besides me? Yes. And so, so, so Tiffany is going to speak into to obviously men and women and, and leadership and all the things she's experienced. But, but women, I'm telling you, like, um, you are needed. You have a seat at the table in the church, in the marketplace, and in the home. Can we all just agree to that? Right? And so you will be encouraged. You will be challenged. Um, and I believe you will leave with some hope if you choose to join us in this gathering, March 8th and 9th. Uh, I, I am so pumped. I'm going to bring my notebook. I'm going to be taking lots of notes. Super excited about that. Um, well, today we're, we're going to continue the series around identity. identity. And uh, what I thought I would do today, uh, I want to recap just a little bit from from last week. If you're you were out of town or whatever you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back to the podcast, check it out, listen, super, super important foundational truth about identity, about who we are. So what is identity? Identity is a deeply held belief in who I am. So as we talked about last week, it's it's whatever, whenever we say I am, fill in the blank, that's an identity statement. I am what? I am my vocation. I am a position i am my bank account i am my failures whatever that is that becomes a deeply held belief about who i am now let me ask you this question sometimes do we ever have an i am statement that's actually not correct do we sometimes have an i am statement where our past would say that's true but god would never say that's true anybody else think that right like, and so we need to be wise. We don't want to just say, well, this is what I think. Because a lot of times it's the world that we're in, right? If you believe it, it must be true. <laughs> Whatever you think you are, that's what you are. And, and I just want to put before you today that, that not every deeply held belief about who we are is actually true. Mm. And that's like the spectrum of statements, like across the board. We hold a lot of things and we try to make them identities. They're not identities. But because we believe so much in them and about ourselves being that, it's actually what produces fruit in our life. And it really dictates the future of our life. And so we broke down these, these two identities. We have a lived identity and we have a true identity. The lived identity is... is it's a deeply held belief about yourself that is formed through experiences, relationships, things people say about you, self-reflection. I am this. Man, I had a failure, so guess what? I am a what? Failure. I've been sick for a few years, so guess what? I am my illness or I am sick. And, and we get into these, and, and these are lived identities. They're picked up, honestly, even from an early age. Man, I can't tell you how many adults that we get to minister to in our community that uh, something they heard when they were eight years old, they've clung to that and believe that. And now they're 40 and they're just realizing, wow, my life has been greatly impacted about that thing that I believed when I was eight years old. Like you're like, how do we do that? It's amazing because identity is so powerful. And the things we believe, the things we pick up along the way, they greatly impact our life. And so we have this lived identity. All of us have this lived identity. But, but the, the thing we're leaning into today and what I opened up a little bit last week is, is true identity. And true identity, is, as Bob Hamp, I think, puts so beautifully here, your identity is the blueprint and the heart of God when he created you by which he longs to reveal his nature uniquely on the earth we reference that psalm which says that god knit us together in our mother's womb that before we ever had a breath god already knew who we were so he took his dream his desire and he put you around it and that is your identity it's god's design it's not man given it's god given it's not temporary it's eternal And today I I want to lean into this true identity and and really I want to lean into both of these and show the power of each and want to do that by primarily looking at the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and join me there. Judges chapter 6. Now just a little background here. Um, This is a story of, of Israel. This is a story of the Israelites and along the way, God put in place judges, those that would lead and, and, and govern the people of Israel, and so there are a couple iterations into this by now, and at this point of the story that we're going to pick up in chapter 6, Israel had been oppressed by Midian for seven years. So for seven years, this other nation had oppressed um, the Israelites. They had taken their, their crops and their foods, they pillaged it all, and Uh, You can imagine morale in Israel is pretty low. And they're believing a lot of things about their circumstance. They're also believing a lot of things about God. They don't even realize it. And along the way, they begin to cry out to God. And and I I think it's interesting. Uh, It's not going to be on the screen here, but, but they're crying out to God. And in verse 10... The Lord says to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. I think that's a profound statement. They're complaining, they're telling God, man, this is the reality of what I've heard. This is the reality of what I live in. We don't have any food. Really what they're saying is we are victims. Things are being done to us, we're victims. And what is God's response to them? listen, listen. You haven't obeyed my voice. And I just want to challenge all of us and, and maybe our view of our circumstance, view of our situation. Maybe it's not so much God doing something to us. Maybe possibly in some of our situations, it's our lack of stepping where God tells us to step. It's our lack in saying, God, I'm listening. And not only listener, I'm going to actually follow you. This is like the meta-narrative of the whole scripture. God's speaking. He's saying, listen, my words lead to life. Will you trust me? Will you, will you follow me? And, and yet here the Israelites, they, they said no. And he said, listen, guys, you've not obeyed my voice, not my words. Now, verse 11 is where I really want to dig in today. It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abishrite. While his, son was, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our father recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Listen to this. Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Hmm. Let's pause there in the story. Super, super interesting. Um, interaction that's happened with this angel of the lord some would say this was jesus before jesus came in the flesh some would say that some would say it was just a high-ranking angel uh we, we could debate that for a long time but but regardless god shows up and his messenger begins to speak to this man and so i've, I've got a couple observations that i think will help us as we're talking about the true you today and first observation is that gideon had a false view of god Man, how many of us in situations, we, we grab hold of a false view of God? And so over seven years of um, having this other group of people, the Midianites, come and attack them and take their food and, and, and feeling like they're all alone, they began to believe some lies and some false things about God. Gideon says it here. He says, he says that God has forsaken us and he's given up on us. And I love that the Bible is so real because this is really how many of us, I would say all of humanity is. We navigate something hard. We navigate a challenging season. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month, maybe it's seven years, maybe it's a decade. And, and what happens in that season, and this is really the spiritual warfare, the spiritual warfare is not necessarily what's happening on the earth, but it's what we're believing about God when things happen on the earth. See, in that seven years, they began to believe God that God is against them. And I'm telling you, all of us have probably been there before. Like, we're all human beings, so we've had seasons where we're like, man, God, where are you? Have you forsaken me too, God? Man, why are all my enemies, why are these people that don't even love you, why are they prospering yet? I'm here and I'm struggling. I mean, anybody else, does that resonate? Like, this is so real. This is true. Like, this is humanity. This is our our story. And so along the way, Gideon picks up some false views of God. And I don't know about you, but maybe you've said things like, man, if, if, If God has turned his back on me, then guess what? I've got to take care of it myself. In a season where we're struggling, we're, we're hurting, we're in pain or we're scared, sometimes we believe, well, maybe God's not good. And when I believe that God's not good or when I begin to entertain that thought, guess what I don't want to hear? I don't want to hear his voice because if he's not good, I don't want to hear what a not good God says. And so we see the very real battle that all humanity faces when life happens when things happen when the brokenness of this world crashes in our lives the question is what are we going to believe about god in this circumstance like many of us they had begun to form a theology around what wasn't happening seven years of of distraught seven years of things happening well god must not be good he must have turned his back on us and and we see this and, and yet we, we see that that's not true because God is actually in their presence right there and he hadn't ever forsaken them, but they had believed it. And, and when you believe things about God, you begin to see God in ways and it impacts our relationship with God and impacts actually even the future of a nation. And so we see Gideon had this wrong view of God. The second thing I see is that, that Gideon had a lived identity that didn't align with God's identity. And how easy is it for us to... Fall into the same rhythm, the same trap as Gideon. Gideon says, I'm, I'm the least in the weakest trap. And you probably want to use that word, you know, language. That's, that's a little odd, but, but maybe you've said things like this I'm a failure. I'm a fake. I'm a disappointment. I'm not enough. I'm unlovable. I'm hopeless. Or how often have we told God, God, man I, man, I sense like you're inviting me into this thing, like to start this new business or to start this um, ministry or maybe just talk to this person uh, at, at a restaurant. But, but we tell God and, and we're like, we, we front and we have this like false humility. And all of us have done this before. And we're like, God, I can't because I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have enough experience. I don't know enough about the Bible too poor, I don't have the right connections. And we make all these excuses. God comes and speaks and we're like, this is my lived identity. Maybe you're not seeing what's going on in my life, but here's who I really am, God. And I've done that many times. And so Gideon has this false view of God. And it's interesting, I think we have this, this thing. This is the, the, the dilemma that, that is in this moment that, that Gideon says that he is the least or he is, he is the least in the weakest tribe, right? But what's so amazing about God, and this is the, th- the third observation, is that God speaks true identity over Gideon. So, so God shows up, the angel of the Lord shows up, they're hiding, they're scared, they're just trying to survive. Have you ever been there? They're just trying to survive. Just keep your head down. Like, don't, don't rock the boat. Just go, let's hide some food for later because we're just gonna try to get through today. Anybody ever been there before? It's exactly where they're at right there and God shows up. And the one who thinks like, man, I'm giving up. I'm a victim. Like people are against us. There's no hope. And, and what does God do? He speaks to Gideon and he says, "O oh, mighty man of valor." Like do you think in that moment like Gideon was like me? Me? The one who's down here hiding food, the one who believes that God has given up on us and he's forsaken us, he's turned his back on us. You, you're calling me like, you, like, Hey, my story, my story, this is my story. I'm part of the, the smallest tribe. And not only am I the, part of the smallest tribe, I'm the weakest in the smallest tribe. What is he trying to convince God? That he's not worthy of the calling. How many of us do that all the time? God, you must have the wrong person. That can't be me. Look at my history. Look at my background. Man, I failed. I've messed up. I've not done enough. That's how we do in religious words. I just haven't done enough. I haven't learned enough. And so we try to front God and say, you must have the wrong person. I can't do that because here's my lived identity. I'm the weakest of the smallest. And yet God is fully convicted in his language. No, you're not. This is who you really are. You're a mighty man of valor. And here's what I need you to hear. This is, this is really helpful as you're walking life, like I try to make everything really applicable. Um, I want you to hear this, that a lived identity takes no faith to believe. There's no faith to believe a lived identity because you can actually point to your past and you can say, I'm a failure and here's why I'm a failure. Boom, boom, boom. I'm not enough because, man, that woman left me. That person separated from me. I'm too old. Just look at how many birthdays I've had around the sun. So it takes no faith to believe that. It's like I got proof of that. But, but when God shows up and says, oh, mighty man of valor, a true identity, let me tell you this. A true word spoken from God will require faith. It always requires faith. You're like... I don't see that. And he's like, I know because you've been believing a lie, but I'm telling you today, I'm setting you free. This is who you are. You're a mighty man of valor. Even though you're hiding down here trying to put away some wheat for tomorrow and not really having any view of what could be, here's who you really are. You're a mighty man of valor. Now, are we going to start going somewhere with that? So God speaks this identity over him and he sets Gideon on a new a new path, a new track, and gets his head up. And some of us just today, like, like you need to hear the truth of God spoken over just to get your head from here. Look at my circumstance. I'm a victim. These things aren't happening. Man, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm, I'm not rich enough. I'm all these things. We, the Lord, I feel like today is just like, hey, hey, get your head up here. Get your head up. Get your head up. Like you're not your circumstances. You're not your past. Get your head up and let's have some hope that things could change. Let's have some hope that the God who's speaking to you to actually created you, and he knows you better than you know yourself. And so he says, mighty man of valor, get your head up. Let's go, I'm not gonna, I haven't forsaken you. How does how, he tell um, Gideon that he hasn't forsaken him? I will be with you. When you go where I tell you to go, you can trust that I will go with you. And I even love how it says that, that the Lord actually encourages Gideon. He says, go in the strength of yours. Wow. Maybe really God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Maybe that scripture is really true. And what we see here, this last observation that I want to make around Gideon is a truth that I shared last week. And and that's that our our story, the story we believe today will write the next chapter of our lives. see, the Israelite people, Gideon and his father and his family, they had believed the story that we're victims, that God has turned his back on us. There's no hope. Let's just try to survive the day. Let's just try to get enough food for tomorrow. And so guess what fruit came the next day? Same thing. And then the angel of the Lord shows up, and he speaks truth to Gideon. And it changes everything. Like, did Gideon go to school right after this? No. Did he go take um, a class in exegesis? No. Hermeneutics class. No. No. Did he take? Did he go off to, to West Point? No. No. He met him and he said, "Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go with me because." Your strength is enough. When I'm with you, you're enough. And so let's go. And I need you to start believing a different story, not just your own story, but the story of your community. And as God comes in and begins to like shake Gideon and said, Gideon, you're not believing truth. Here's what's true. You're a mighty man of valor. Gideon starts to believe him. And and the next phase of the story is is Gideon feels called by God to to go go tear down some false gods, some false idols that are in the city. They're actually his dad's. And he feels like, man, I'm supposed to do that, but, but he's still questioning it. And this is a good truth for all of us, is that just because you hear and you believe once that this is your identity, sometimes we still question it. And so Gideon's like, man, I'm a mighty man of valor. What are you going to do? I'm going to wait till nighttime to tear everything down. Because I'm still questioning, is that really who I am? And so it says that he was scared of what would happen. So night comes, and he takes some of his guys, and he goes up. He tears down the idols. He actually uses the wood to make an altar. He sacrifices a bull in the guise of night, so nobody knows. It's kind of his first like tiptoeing in there. Mighty man of valor. Let's start with like a minor man of valor. <laughs> the next day, everybody wakes up. What happened to the idols? What happened to them? Who did this? And they're all wondering. Then word gets out that it was Gideon. And I wonder what Gideon was thinking in that moment. Was he like, yes, it was me? Or was he... <laughs> And I love his father's response. He's like, man, if these gods are real, let them defend themselves. Oh, wow, that's a great word right there. If these gods are real, man, let them defend themselves. Let them take care of themselves. If not let actually move with my son. And so Gideon then, he's like, okay, okay, man, maybe maybe I'm believing God a little bit. And so God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go take this next army on. And he's like, okay, God, but I'm not sure. And so I, I got a question for you. What if like, I grab this blanket that's my mom's fleece, I pull it out, and I'm going to lay it on the ground. If it's dry on one side and wet on the other side and it's not wet around it, then I'll know that this is from you. And God's like, okay. He wakes up the next day, mighty man of valor. Oh, man, God did it. This mighty man of valor is like, oh, God, like that, maybe that just happened. So let's flip the script. Let's make everything wet and this really dry. Because I'm a mighty man of valor. Next morning wakes up. I always like wonder, Like I, I, you guys probably don't get these details when you read the Bible, but I like... This is really weird. This is me probably. But I'm like, I wonder, how did he walk up on the fleece? You see, you've never thought about that before, have you? Like, did he like run to it? Like, was he, or was he like looking from a distance, like trying to, like, it's interesting. So he gets there and and yet there's God. Like, it's exactly what he said. And then God's like, hey, go get some men. He's like, okay, I got tens of thousands of them. God's like, actually, that's not what we want here. We need less people. He's like, what? Like, I want a lot of people, that's what I want. He's like, no, you're a mighty man of valor who listens to my voice. So he's like, we're gonna thin the ranks. Ask anybody if they're scared. If they're scared, send them home. A bunch of them are scared. He sends a huge portion of his army home. And God's like, good job. You're becoming them, you're who you really are. You're walking in your true identity. And God's like, Well, you still have too many guys. He's like, Are you serious? And so then God asked him to do something that we think is a little odd. But he says, hey, send all the men down to get a drink and and watch how they drink. (laughs) Isn't that an interesting? God, you're like, you want me to do what? And he says, for those that lap it up like a dog, they're not fit to be in your army. And so he's down to just a couple hundred guys. And God's like, finally, we're ready to go. You've heard my voice. You've followed even when you didn't understand. Even when you had questions, we've worked through that now. Now, are you believing that you're a mighty man of valor? Yes, I'm starting to. Still at night, he goes into the camp. It's nighttime. I'm still, he's still figuring it out, right? And this is good news for all of us. Like, he's still, like, the story is unpacking, like, the reality of walking in identity. So he goes down in the guise of night, and he begins to listen to a story that the opposing army is saying. And one of them had a dream, and he begins to tell him, and, and that dream that he overheard was the faith seed that he needed to say, let's go and let's take him. And after that, man, Gideon led his military incredibly. And I, and I love how um, verse, um, chapter 8, verse, the last verse, or in verse 28, it says, So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more, and the land had rest 40 years in the days of Gideon. Gideon walking in his true identity greatly impacted his community. I need you to hear this. This is not minor. This is not, this is nice to have. Listen, Gideon walking in the truth of who God made him brought peace for 40 years for his people. I want you to know that when you walk in your true identity, it is a gift to your community. But when you and I, when we believe lies, when we're running after things that are not true about us, when we're operating out of our hurt, out of our pain, out of our experience, listen, it is a detriment to our community. So the truth that we see here is that our true identity is a revelation of God to the world. God wants to reveal himself on the earth in so many ways. And one of the ways is through your life and how he made you, how he designed you, how he speaks to you, and how you reveal him wherever you go. Whether it's the marketplace, whether it's home, whether it's church, whether it's school, he wants to reveal himself through your identity. And so let's dig into identity a little bit. This true identity is shared identity plus unique identity. I touched on this briefly last week, so I'm not going to go into detail. But we have this list of of shared identities where they're true for everyone, everyone in the kingdom of God, these these true identities. Um, Things like you are loved, you're forgiven, you're enough, you're free, you're valued, you're worthy. These are all true. And remember the 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 in-the-moment analogy that I've been spending a little bit more time on that that I said um, the shared um, identity is like water. We all have H2O. Every one of us has water. All of us have experienced the forgiveness of God, so we are forgiven, we're free, we're children of God, we're worthy of God's love, we're not alone, we're children of God, we're So all of us have these things, this, this common, this shared identity. And yet God doesn't stop there. He then says, actually, there's actually more than that. And that's where we get into the unique identity. And what is unique identity? It's a specific and unchanging truth that is unique to each individual. So the shared identity is like the water. We all swim in that. We all experience that. But this unique identity, remember, is like um, the snowflake. That each snowflake that's ever fallen from the sky onto the earth is uniquely different from everyone. And so almost 8 billion people on the earth plus all the ones that have ever come before, there are no two people that God made exactly the same. And this super creative God that loves diversity, every single person that has ever been on the earth and currently is on the earth or ever will be is knitted together in their mother's womb in order that they would display the wonder and the glory and the majesty of God on the earth in their life. So God has this shared identity that we all have. As a family of God, we all share that. We need to root ourselves in that truth nonstop, but, but God also has this very specific, unique identity that he has for each one of us that he longs for us to recognize and to learn and to grow in, right? So as we look at Jesus, his beautiful life as our model, we we see that Jesus walked in a unique identity. I love how the Old Testament pointed to a lamb that would uh, be killed and that that, that one lamb would wipe away the sins of the world. I love how Isaiah points to this lamb. and, And then Jesus comes on the scene and he's, beginning his public ministry and his cousin, John the Baptist, before he baptized him, he says this. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is no other Lamb of God. Can we just say amen to that? There is is one Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is part of Jesus' unique identity, the Lamb of God. Even in Revelation, it says the lamb that was slain, worthy, he's worthy of all power, all, all honor, all glory, holy, holy, holy. So Jesus, one of his, his unique pieces of his identity is, is that he's the lamb of God. Or I love what the father said after Jesus was raised out of the water, he was baptized right out of the water. It says the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And what's the father said? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What is that? That's an identity statement from the father over the son. And so Jesus, man, he had this unique identity on the earth. But then we look at like even his followers. Like we could go through every one of them for time's sake if we want, but the one that stood out to me was Peter. Peter. <laughs> Peter, I connect with Peter because man, he had moments that were like amazing walking on water. Then he's like moments where you're like, man, did that kid listen to anything the last two weeks? Like he's like across the board. He's like a roller coaster. And so many of us are on the roller coaster, right? And, and, and Jesus speaks to him after or knowing what would happen, knowing that he would separate from him and that he would, um, he would run from him at some point. Jesus gets Peter together and he says this to Peter. He says, I tell you the truth, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, in this moment, Peter could have said, Jesus, remember, I'm the guy that's like all over the place. I got high highs and I got low lows. I'm all over, I'm like this wild thing. And and Jesus, you're calling me a rock. And last time I checked, a rock is really steady. Oh, Jesus, are you sure about that? Are you sure you want to build your church through me? And Jesus is like, yeah, I, I do. This is who you are. See, so your lived identity is not really true of who you are. Let me speak who you really are. You are Peter, my rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, here's the thing about that truth statement, that identity statement over him. Did Peter immediately get the depth of that? He had no idea. Did Peter drop the ball just a little bit later? Yes, he did. But remember at Pente- Pentecost, Peter, Pentecost, you slip those words up sometimes. Remember, at Pentecost, Peter gets up, and what's he do? He preaches this bold, incredible message, and it says 3,000 men and women come to faith in Jesus, and the church is born as the Spirit of God moves. Jesus called Peter what he was, not what his past said about him. And I'm telling you, you and I, we need this same type of understanding of God. God, what do you say about me? What do you want me to know? What is true? And there's a couple things that I, I think help, in, in, help us as we begin to unpack identity. The first thing is, is that it helps us to recognize that our identity goes everywhere we go. Listen, you cannot have your identity stolen. You can have your online identity stolen. You can have your bank information stolen. But your identity that's given to you by God, it cannot be stolen. But here's the thing, it can be. It can be distorted and it can be rejected. Like, God's word comes and says, this is who you are. You're a mighty man of valor. And and, and Gideon could have said, no, my past says otherwise. I'm not going to receive that. And guess what? It would have major implications on not just him but other people's lives. And so we got to recognize today, like, the way God made you, the identity he put inside of you, it is still there regardless if you've said no or if maybe it's got twisted a little bit and it's going in a different direction. It is still there. You can't lose your identity that God gives you and the second thing that I think is so powerful when we begin to understand our identity is that it acts as a filter for us to know what is God inviting us into. Once we begin to have an understanding of who God calls us, then we can begin to ask the question, well, I have this opportunity, does that opportunity need my identity, who I am or not? And I'll tell you, in my own life, this is how it's looked. Uh, When we were in Houston, Texas, I don't know, man, we've been here seven years now. What is actually, what is today? This week is seven years we moved up here. It's crazy. Um, So about 10 years ago now, uh, I was sitting in Houston, Texas, and I first heard about this understanding of identity begin to search the scriptures and understand how God speaks identity, the power of what we believe about ourselves, and how God wants to speak. And so I was sitting there with my journal open, my Bible, I've been studying, and I just got to the point where I said, God, here's the truth. Here's some things I'm believing about myself. And they were ugly, some of the things I said, but some of them were around not being enough, being a failure and, and a lot more intimate things that I won't share in this setting But I just said, here's what I believe about myself. I'm gonna give these to you and here's what I wanna know, God. What do you say about me? It's a question I think we all should ask and not just once, but honestly all the time. God, what do you say about me? And and in this moment, I've got my journal out. I still remember the journal and I'm sitting there and I just said, God, here's the truth, made this confession. Here's the things I'm believing, these things that are just killing me and eating me up and have got me to where I am. Here they are. What do you say about me? And And I heard... In my spirit, I heard the Lord say, you are my path blazer. And I said, I've heard a trailblazer. That's an NBA team. But what's a path blazer? He said, we'll unpack that. But you are my path blazer. And so I received that, I wrote down Pathblazer, I really don't know exactly what that means, but I'm gonna to begin to bring that before the Lord and say, teach me what that means and begin to look in the scriptures, what's it look like to be a Pathblazer? And, and I began to understand it's somebody who goes before others, somebody who goes into uncharted territory, somebody who goes in a direction that nobody's gone before, and they open up the way so that others can follow. And then as I began to understand that, and even the crazy thing, I looked at the, the original language of my name, this is crazy, my name, Der- Derek, Derek, um, in the Hebrew, that word direct um, means the, the way or the path. You can imagine the moment I was like, wow, that's crazy. The path, the one who's the path blazer, his actual name is the path. Wow, God, you're crazy, wild! And so then I began to just look back at my life and like, wow, like every job I've ever had, like where I've excelled was where I've been asked to change things. I've been ch- asked to change a, a culture or a business that was Really losing a lot of money, and they said, "Hey, can you turn this thing around to get it to where it's profitable and, and in a good spot?" Or and, and then and then along the way, I began to have this understanding of my identity. So then I would have opportunities come, and I'd say, "Man, does that need a path blazer? Does that does that job need a path blazer?" And there was one that was really lucrative that came on. I mean, it was good money. And sometimes my wife and I kick ourselves we're like, "Why didn't we take that job?" But anyhow, um, when we looked at it, we like that job is incredible and makes a lot of lot of stinking money. I think I would die because that person, that job does not need my identity. It needs a different identity. And so I'll never forget, I had gone through the interview process, deep, deep interview process, multiple months, and got to the final phase of that. And I remember sending the email, almost through tears, (laughs) saying, please remove me from the candidate list. This isn't for me. And then I heard about this church and. Somewhere in Tennessee is. I said, is that close to Nashville? They're like, no, it's not very close to Nashville. In Kingsport, Tennessee. Didn't know a soul here. Didn't even know where it was on a map, obviously. And uh, started the process. And my question to the Lord as we were walking through the process seven years before now uh, was, Lord, does this community, are they looking for somebody to be a pathblazer? And uh, as I was meeting people and talking to the leadership team the thing i kept hearing is um, we love what god's done we honor what god's done in our community we're so grateful for the almost 40 years at that point the church has been around but we feel like there's a new season and we need to take some things in some different directions and when i heard that my heart leapt and i said that sounds like you need a path blazer and so i said okay lord here it is and worked through the process and finally they said yes and so understanding who you are, it can be an incredible filter to know, man, is this of the Lord? Is this not? And it doesn't need you. Guess what? You don't have to run after it no matter how much money they're going to throw at you. Right? Identity is crucial, but begins by telling God the truth and then asking him. And so I want to close and I know we're running a little long, so hang in there just for a few minutes here today, but I wanted just to give a space as I close out today, just to do that same thing that I did. We take a moment in prayer, and if you have your notes or whatever, maybe you just keep those out and you just write down what you sense. But I want to give you a moment to to tell the Lord the truth. Maybe today you recognize, man, there's a there's a belief, there's an identity that I've I've really grabbed hold of that is keeping me from being everything that God's called me to be. It's actually keeping me to walk from walking in the fullness of God. And maybe today you just realize it's a flat out lie. It's not true. So let's just take a moment and just take account and allow the Spirit of God to move in us and remind us, to show us, to bring revelation. God, is there something that I'm believing about myself that is not something that you would say about me? And I'm sure all of us being human, if you're really seeking truth that that you would say yeah this is something right now today that i'm believing wrongly about myself and so i just want to give you a second to tell the lord the truth just say hey here's what i'm believing i'm believing i am filling the blank a failure i am not enough i am filling the blank tell the lord he already knows it's a beautiful transaction where we give it to the lord And we're just going to ask the Lord this question. This is not just a pastor-led moment. Like, I would encourage you to, you can do this anytime you recognize that you're believing a lie or that there's man things that are hindering you from being everything you believe God's called you to be. To say, Lord, what do you say about me right now? It's a great question to ask the Lord, but you just ask the Lord right now. God, what do you want me to know about who you say I am right now? Once again, in this moment, we can reject it or we can say, no, that's not true. Or For some of us in the room, like the thing you heard was loved. And so when the Lord tells us something, it's usually because we don't believe it. Maybe it's you heard you're a daughter of God. And today, like you just really need to lean into God. and say, like, man, teach me what it's like to be a daughter of God. But let's just now just take a moment and say, Lord, thank you. We receive that as best we can. We receive this truth of what heaven speaks over us. The true identity that you have given us, you've crafted us with. We say yes to it. And we as your people, don't, we're not just gonna be hearers, but we're gonna tr- work to say yes and to learn and to apply this. And so Lord, teach us to walk in our identity. Teach us to say yes, not just one moment in a church service, but on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday at work. Help us to walk in that truth that we would be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're gonna close out today with our ministry team up here. Um, If you've got some questions maybe around identity, uh, if you've got some questions, say, man, I don't fully understand it, or maybe today you're like, man, I I don't feel like I heard anything. We would love to pray and answer any questions you have of that. Uh, Next week, we're gonna continue leaning into identity. Jamie Winship's gonna unpack uh, the scriptures on identity. You won't wanna miss that, man. Please be here. It's gonna be incredible. Uh, We love you guys, man. Have a great day. Enjoy the game today. We'll see you next Sunday.